Jake, it's time, and the time is prime. Prime time for what, Cameron? Uh, I'd say it's prime time for another excellent episode of Region Unlocked Season 2. Yeah! And welcome back, everyone. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. You're listening to Region Unlocked, uh, a great podcast where Jake and I talk about old games so we can stay connected while he's in Japan. And I'm not in Japan. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I'd say great is kind of an understatement, Cameron. We've been doing this for a while, and I'd say this is getting a pretty good following, isn't it? Um, I don't think... I think we have a very consistent listener base, and we love you and appreciate you very much, though I don't think that base has grown very much. <laughs> Positives. <laughs> but hey, anyway, we've been we've been keeping it up for quite a while now. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Whole year, at least. At least, yeah. It's been, it's been one heck of a year. Some might say a very prime year. Ha-ha. That okay. Was so anyway, Jake... Today, yes, Cameron. shall we talk about Metroid Prime? Yeah, let's talk about Metroid Prime. But there's a problem. Uh, I'm not really going to be talking about Metroid Prime. Why not? Well, you see, I've never really played the game, except for maybe 10 minutes. But let me tell you, those 10 minutes were actually pretty great. I just haven't like played beyond that. So Okay, I understand. Yeah. Uh, so that's a problem. But uh, can I do the episode anyway? Can I do it without you? Yes, Cameron, you have my permission. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It does feel weird to do an episode without you, but hey, uh, it's your fault. You missed out on such a great game. I know. I should have thought of that, like, what, 15 plus years ago? <laughs> you like, should have. I should have thought to myself, dang it, I won't be able to do this episode with Cameron. I better play. Yeah, but you should. No. Um, you're lucky so. I'm not doing this for Wind Waker, because I, I want to. But hey, yeah. I know you're you're slowly making your way through it. Yes, slowly uh, <laughs> parsing through that game. All right. So, well, yeah. <laughs> cool. So, without further ado, I'm going to replace you, Jake, with someone else. Someone who is a, a dear friend of mine and a, I think a pretty close friend of yours as well, who loves Metroid Prime a lot. And I'm very excited to talk to him. So, today I have a special guest, and that is AJ Jones. Anything you'd like to say to AJ, Jake, before we begin? Yes, AJ. Good luck. You have my blessing. Talk about Metroid <laughs> Prime. <laughs> All right. Thank you. So let's go ahead and kick it off with that conversation between myself and AJ. All right. Thank you. Cameron and Jake for that wonderful introduction. My name's Cameron and I'm sitting here with a very special guest, AJ Jones. Hey Cameron, it's ha I'm happy to be here. Sorry uh, Jake can't be here, I'll do my best to fill in. <laughs> Good, I appreciate that. So this is going to be an interesting episode because mm -hmm. unlike normal, where Jake and I are separated by Zoom and Japan. And regions, yeah. Yeah, um, so I guess this is just region locked. No, this is not region unlocked. <laughs> yeah. But also, AJ and I are being very irresponsible and are in the same room together. 
So, uh, it's very awkward making eye contact while you have a structured conversation. (laughs) It is. We're going to get through it, man. We have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, we do. Um, Before we start, you're not Jake. But I'm not. You've probably spent just as much time in Japan as he has. That uh, that is, yeah. He's been there for a little more than a year, and I lived there for about ten months when I was working at Disneyland. Oh, okay. So what, what's a, a bit of your story that you care to share? Well, with that, um, that was a musician's gig. I was uh, playing in this show called Kitchen Beat, dressed up like a chef, and was playing drums on the trash cans, and. It was, you know, it was a great time. You're playing on trash cans, not pots and pans? Well, we had the trash can, and all of the pots and pans were inside of it. Oh, okay. And then we would roll out, and they think, are they janitors? Are they chefs? What are they? And then we would take the pots and pans out and mm-hmm. attach them to the sides. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, living there, yeah, I saw a lot of, a lot of the culture, um, a lot of the... Like traditional Japan stuff, and then like the more Western, stereotypical, like what people will think with the anime and oh, okay. that you know that kind of stuff. Those districts were very fun. Cool. Do you think you'll go back? Oh, I'd love to go back. I've I'm I have this couch network where I could crash on a few different people's couches in oh, different nice. in different places. So I always have a place to stay. Yeah, if I want to go back. <laughs> yeah, I want to go, and this pandemic is making things so hard uh, to the point now where I know it's it, by the time people are hearing this, I'm guessing it's past February. But Super Mario World was supposed to open in February. I know. Yeah, and they just postponed it because it keeps getting worse. And that's where Jake is. He's in Osaka. Yeah, I talked with him a little bit uh, not too long ago. Um, I can't believe he's still there. I mean, he weathered the pandemic he stayed put and he's he's doing his thing and it's just i think it's awesome yeah i know he is there's definitely a a high amount of stress that comes with working in japan i think that's definitely a cliche that holds up but i know he's still enjoying it quite a bit Mm -hmm. uh jake are you even listening (laughs) i don't know are you out there (laughs) i don't hear see i was asking i was asking jake how much he actually even listens to our episode and he's he doesn't like hearing himself oh and me i'm used to it because uh if you don't know this it takes me about three eight three hours to edit each episode yeah and as an editor i've made lots of videos lots of these podcasts obviously i'm i'm over my own voice like it doesn't bother me whatsoever jake still can't do it which honestly is kind of surprising because jake is like a very good actor and has been yeah like his whole his whole background is yeah his background is showmanship but he doesn't want to see it himself so anyway jake you're great i hope you're listening especially because you don't have to listen to your own voice in this episode that's right (laughs) (laughs) all right so aj as a guest all right like to start off what is your favorite game of all time favorite game of all time has to be legend of zelda ocarina of time why because that was a game Let's see, I was eight years old when that came out, and it was one of the first games I had on the Nintendo 64, and I just couldn't stop playing it. And it got to a point, well, not after I got past the place that I couldn't progress, I was scared of spiders. So (laughs) 
I could not even get through the Deku tree. Oh, okay. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> like, I was very, you know, because in that time, you know, you're a kid, and you think, these graphics, like, the Nintendo 64 water just looks, at least I thought so at the time, just, oh, this looks so realistic, and those spiders, man, yeah. couldn't, couldn't handle it. Um, but why I'd say it's my favorite game is just, the, I don't know, the kind of way it got me into the whole Legend of Zelda franchise, because I've played, I haven't beaten every single Zelda game, I never beat Zelda 2. Oh, that game sucks. It's so hard. <laughs> and it's just like, there's no real, like, no benefit of playing it. It's like a hate play the whole time you're doing it. You're just raging and dying. and Just playing because it's part of the canon and because <laughs> yeah. you have to get through it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, Ocarina of Time, I would have to say, is my favorite. All right. Similar situation. I remember it took me forever to play that game because... It seems so dark to me. Because one time I walked up to it, like, in Target, and whoever last was playing it had left it in the Sculptula house, where there's all the mutant human Sculptula people. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, what on earth is this game? I do not get uh, why everyone's talking about Zelda, because this looks terrifying. <laughs> it is. I mean, there are parts of it. And th the storyline that's in that game as well, um, for Link to... F grow up in this village and but he's getting bigger and he doesn't have a fairy there's just like true he, he does not fit and you go on this adventure and you fulfill the destiny of the hero of time it's just like this really i don't know i feel like storyline wise especially it's it's up there yeah that's great um I do remember one night in probably high school or something where you came over and we tried to blow through the whole game in one yeah, night. Yeah. I think we got to the Shadow Temple. Yeah, we it was the Shadow or the Spirit Temple. It was one of the last ones. But yeah, that was uh, probably a lot of Mountain Dew <laughs> and like body odor. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you used to say you're, you had a tradition of beating it every summer. Mm -hmm. You'd play through that. Yeah. I actually played it again just, uh, what was that, November? Before I moved back to Muncie. Okay. Fired up the N64, and I always play it on the N64. I I have it on the GameCube when you pre-ordered Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Yeah. It came with that disc that had Ocarina of Time and Master Quest on it. <laughs> Did so, you ever play Master Quest? Uh, I've played, I've started it on 3DS and got stuck in the, the second temple. Like, it is drastically harder. And it's... The only thing that's different is, like, the layouts of the temples. And they put things in it that don't make sense. And what you end up having to do, it's like, you use Den's fire to hit switches. Oh, so it completely changes the yeah. way you play the game. Yeah, like, if you're stuck, well, there's probably a keys like, on that wall that you didn't kill. And uh -huh. then that will unlock the door. Or you just have to stand on the edge of something, use Den's fire, and it will oh, trigger grief. it. Yeah. So have you beat it? Yeah. Master Quest? Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like a master <laughs> after having done it. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Have you played it on 3DS? 
No, I haven't. Oh, really? Mm-mm. That's good. I mean, it looks beautiful. It looks the way you remember it. Okay. Um, it's just slightly updated graphics, and yeah, it's just fun. So, a quick side story. Uh, listeners, I'm sorry, you've probably already heard this story, but back when I signed up for something, I don't remember, it was either like Nintendo Power, probably not, because I have to put my address for Nintendo Power, probably just a Club Nintendo account. Okay. And it's like, we're sending you a free copy of that GameCube Master Collection of all the Zelda games. Oh. Like, without doing that pre-order. And me, being in middle school and afraid of putting my address on the internet, had put in a fake address. So it, I got an email, like, shipping confirmation going to some random person's house. <laughs> Is that the... I I don't have that GameCube disc. That's like... What all was on that? It was Ocarina, Majora's Mask, and then I think the Master Quest, and then like two... Did it give you the 2D Zeldas from the NES? Yeah, something like that. That's very rare. I, I, I have seen that disc on eBay, and it's, you know, it's pretty rare. Let's do a Cameron's deep dive into eBay. <laughs> Find out. Zelda GameCube disc. That's only going for 50 bucks. Yeah, 50 bucks. That's not that rare. But this, actually, this cover looks different. It's, okay, no, that one's still. Yeah, that it's. It's that one. Yeah. Anyway. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's with stuff like that. It always seems that at the turn of a decade, those things are just rare again. And now Dude, we're in 2021. GameCube. So I was reading an article about that of just how nostalgia, the waves it hits in. And right now we are in prime GameCube nostalgia. Yeah. And all the prices are huge. I recently rebought Super Mario Sunshine. It was like sixty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, um, we're we're so distracted right now. It's we, all right, man. <laughs> um, we're also just... celebrating Cameron's birthday today. Yes, that's why AJ's here and why we're breaking the rules. Yeah, um, but we are if well, I, probably like seven or eight feet apart, so. <laughs> <laughs> socially distanced enough. If I die, you can blame AJ for it. It's <laughs> his fault. Oh man, <laughs> I don't want to go to my grave with that. Um, yeah, I should have just had you on just to be nostalgic instead of, because I bet we can just keep talking about this crap. But anyway, uh, so second question, uh, with season two of Region Unlocked, what is your favorite GameCube game of all time? Favorite GameCube game of all time? Oh, Resident Evil 4. Good choice. Resident Evil 4, man. That game, the two disc GameCube version. Um, I actually played that game so much that the fan burned out. What? In my GameCube. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, played it through. My brother played it through. I'd play it through again. We would trade the controller back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the yeah the first GameCube we had was the purple one. And I just remember the fan would be spinning all the time. Yeah. And then the GameCube, I mean, I just, we were playing that game and it died. The GameCube died. Oh, no. So, <laughs> did you ever replace your GameCube? Yeah, so, okay. and that's, 
I actually have that at my apartment right now. The the platinum one. Ooh, nice. I couldn't find though. That's the thing. Like when you move from place to place, you lose stuff. Um, I have the Wavebird controller, but not the not the adapter. Yeah. Oh, so, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's just a, a GameCube prop. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's cool. I've got three Wavebirds. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Pretty uh, fancy. Oh, Jake, uh, he got the orange GameCube over there in Japan. Did he really? Yeah. So he's playing through Wind Waker right now. So we he's never played Wind Waker. Ever. Ever. Oh, wow. So he got it so we can do an episode about it. But he's progressing super slowly. <laughs> and I asked him like if he had gotten to Dragon Roost Island yet. And I don't think he's gotten off of Sunset. I, no. Outset? Out, outset? No. Yeah. Windfall. Oh, yeah, Windfall I Island. I don't think he's got from Windfall yet, but he's struggling because he it's a Japanese version. So it's all in kanji, and although Jake can speak it and read it, it uh, takes a while. That is, yeah. But I can't, I can't wait to do that episode because I love Wind Waker so much. Anyway, uh, Jason was on a few weeks ago, and he, oh, okay. he also said Resident Evil 4 was his favorite episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Their favorite video game. I didn't realize he had that or played it. Yeah. Um, He actually did. He yeah, he had it. But so our our whole story is we went on vacation together to the beach and then spent most of our time playing Resident Evil 4 because we rented it (laughs) from Blockbuster. Probably Blockbuster. Probably. (laughs) Or maybe Family Video. Rip. <clears throat> anyway, sorry, listeners. I'm rehashing stories I've already told before. <laughs> uh, but AJ doesn't actually listen to the podcast, so got to catch him up. I'm a casual. I'm sorry. But speaking of Resident Evil 4, I was just flipping through the Switch eShop, and it's on sale for $15 right now. I have it. <laughs> I have it on the Switch. It's it's such a perfect game. It is. It's like I already own it on GameCube, on Wii, and PC. But there's something about like having it handheld. Having a handheld. You don't have it handheld, <laughs> and I'm telling you, once you do, you're gonna play it through all over again. I absolutely will. And I did that, and then played through it all again on professional mode. And you get the the laser gun. <laughs> Wait, so you? I had it on GameCube. I had it on PlayStation Two. I didn't have it on the Wii, um, but then got it recently on the switch what's the hardest part on professional mode man some of the bosses are pretty rough but you can kind of cheese the game like if you're playing on professional you just you shoot them in the knees and then just like, knife them and yeah like knife them kick them knife them kick them and keep your distance because when i tried that on professional so first off playing on the wii is cheating because you can headshot so freaking well. Yeah. I remember you saying that when it back when it came out. I got stuck on the part where it's right before that segment where you have to like boost Ashley up onto these edges where she goes to turn some cranks. Well, then you have to snipe and defend yep. her. But right before that, there's like just this line of those hooded guys with like shields and maces and they start coming at you. Yeah, and that's... Um midway through the castle yeah and i was so frustrated that i made it halfway through and then just gave up no that that, yeah that's a hard section yeah she's 
a horrible NPC. Just like, <laughs> like doesn't doesn't help herself. I mean, you can have her hide, which is. I like, mean, like are, in there the farm. That, are there that many hiding places in the castle? Are there any? Or is it just the dumpsters in the village? I think it's just the dumpsters in the village. We might have to clarify that later, but um, yeah, once you're in the castle, she's like a hindrance yeah. to the progression of the game. But um, yeah, there's another part that I, and it's always funny to do it when you're like, I can't remember exactly the part in the castle that you're doing it, but you walk into this room and it's like these cult leaders are doing like a ritual. Yeah. And you can throw a grenade down there and kill them all at the same time. Yeah. And you just get tons of gold for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I was so... And it, as, as we're talking, our Resident Evil 4 episodes just like went up to air. Oh, right cool. So we're, we're talking way in the future right now. And Jake... He was going on. I was like, hey, you remember that part where they're all like in a circle? It's like, if you hit them with a rocket launcher, they all die. I'm like, Jake, why would you waste your one rocket launcher shot on all those guys when no, a grenade have... does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is, it's probably more satisfying. I'll give him that. Oh, obviously. But you have to save the rocket launcher for Salazar. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> all right, we're rehashing too much. Sorry, everyone. Let's get into it. The real sure. reason AJ is here, 20 minutes into the episode. All right. <laughs> is, we'll get there. It's to talk about Metroid Prime, which, holy cow. Metroid Prime is classic. It is so good. Mm-hmm. Before we start, uh, if you can take a guess, what uh, what do you think its Metacritic score is? For Metroid Prime 1? Yeah. Is that out of 100? or Yes. Uh... I would say it's like at a 92. Uh, so 92 is Metroid Prime 2. Oh. So guess again. If if 2 was 92, which one do you think's better? 1. Okay, and then what's your rating? So that's... Is it 100? No. Is but there any game on Metacritic that's 100? Probably. I've never checked. Yeah. But it's sitting at 97. And wow. That's, and that's with 70 critic reviews, which is quite a few. I was surprised because I know this game was good, but I didn't know. But it was revolutionary, that. not only for the franchise, but again, that game came out what two thousand two, the so, first Metroid Prime. Yep, Metroid Prime came out November seventeenth, two thousand two. What game also came out on the same day? Rogue Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> that was a launch title. That was a launch title. I don't know. Uh, Fusion. So, oh yeah, Fusion and Prime launched together. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I had them both. I didn't know they came out on the same day. Before I dive into some facts, another little information thing I pulled. Uh, the average time to beat for this game was 14 hours. Yeah. And if you were to 100% it, it was 16 hours. Does that feel right to you? Yeah. And it also depends on the type of gamer that you are. Yeah. I remember playing Metroid Prime, and it would... I would spend much longer playing that because I would try to scan. Oh my gosh! I guess yeah. Let's, everything. Let's dive into that already. Yeah. So the scan visor, and that's the only way you get the storyline of the game. Yeah. There's. Oh my gosh! So if you don't know the scan visor for Metroid Prime, so first off, it's like a first for Metroid, but in general, yeah, I keep having so many thoughts that I want to jump to. So Metroid Prime is the first 3D game. Right. For the Metroid series. Revolutionary. Yes. And, I mean, it is to Metroid what Ocarina of Time is to Zelda. 
with just a huge leap in what that gameplay was. And as I've said in the past, uh, Metroid didn't even show up on the N64 other than Samus and Smash Bros. Right. So she went a very long time without a game. <clears throat> so scanning wasn't a thing before. And so they decided to put all these... I guess basically you can scan anything in the game to get information about it. Mm-hmm. For enemies, it's going to give you some tips, perhaps, on how to kill them. And then a bunch of other stuff is lore and just information about your surroundings. And it's it's very mixed in what people feel about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japanese audiences enjoy it more. American audiences don't. I can see that. Yeah. Not, not wanting to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's something about having to go out of your way to to seek out the story, which is kind of a bummer. Like, yeah. As I did my research today, there's so much about the story I never knew. Yeah. Because even though I tried to scan everything so I could get a higher, like, percentage You didn't sit there and read it. I wasn't reading That's it. why it would take me so long to play that game. Because, you know, there would be, like, the Fallen Soldiers. So they have their pirate log. Yeah. And you can read through all of those. And... The Kozo or Chozo. I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure how you pronounce I call that. them Chozo. I call them Kozo, but maybe but you're wrong. <laughs> okay. That's fine. <laughs> the Chozo. The Chosens. Chosen ones, whoever they are. Um that was yeah, the only way to get the storyline of that game. And I remember playing that game as a kid and then even over the years if I would replay it. And it seems like if I go home and visit family, I would play GameCube. Yeah. Which is like you kinda just you're, you know, you're around your family again. You feel nostalgic, and my mom would see me playing that game, and she would say, "I've never understood the appeal to this game. There's like, you're just running through doors. That's <laughs> all it is. It's like it's, it's just, just running through doors. No, it's like you shoot aliens too. There's sh- puzzle solving. Yeah, there's puzzles, but it's a lot of backtracking. Mm-hmm. A lot of scanning. Because, again, I, I liked to know... I don't know. Just That was also a, a look into the designers. Like, the labor of love it was for them to be making this game. Yeah. Like, they dumped a lot of information yeah. into it. That's true. Um, so, before we continue, let me just throw a few facts at you. Um, so, these... I just wanted to kind of look at Metroid as a whole. Because Prime is at that time was the only one I'd ever played. So yeah. I don't really know the history of Metroid. And honestly, I couldn't find a ton of interesting facts. But uh, here's a few for you. So Metroid was originally called Space Hunter. Okay. Um, not Metroid. And I think it was because they wanted to call it Bounty Hunter, but couldn't. So they, just because of legal reasons or something. But So they were going to call it Space Hunter. Mm-hmm. I forget why they didn't. But they called it Metroid for uh, for two reasons that make no sense at all. So Metroid is actually a combination of two different words. Can you guess what those words might be? Meteor and asteroid. <laughs> That's a good guess. Uh, no. No? What is it then? Uh, metro, as in like a subway, and Android, which Samus is not. So <laughs> I'm not. Not sure. But the Metro is on a track going from station to station. 
True. Like a character running through doors and doing nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, maybe because it's all like, I don't know, just the subterranean exploration of these alien planets. Maybe that's where Metro came from, but and they got Android totally wrong. Yeah. Because it's a human in yeah. a suit. Yeah. Uh, speaking of suit, it's called the various suit right. because of a mistranslation from Japanese, which was, I know I don't know how to pronounce this, but Baria Sutsu or Sutsa. Here you can see it. Baria Sutsu. Uh, which means barrier suit. Okay. Yeah, like like a shield barrier. Yeah. Okay. So somehow we got the B and the V confused. Yeah. Samus is a girl, which was a big twist at the time. You yeah. find out. You find that out at the end of the first Metroid game. Right. And if if you get a specific completion, or is it just that I happens no matter what? Depending on what she's. Your completion decides like what she's wearing when it's revealed. Oh, okay. I believe, but they didn't decide to make her a girl until like halfway through the production of that game. Interesting. Which, yeah, uh, I thought that was cool. Definitely, like Samus is a badass, and it's cool to have some female representation. Yeah. And so, speaking of Samus being that female, it actually heavily the story heavily heavily parallels. A famous movie franchise. Can do you have a guess? Alien. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. Samus and Ripley are kind of like counterparts, and the Metroids and the Facehuggers are are very similar. Um, there's actually and that because what the first Metroid game was eighty something. Yeah, I mean, that, which yeah, around the same time, right? Yeah. So I'd, I'd recommend check it out, see, uh, see those parallels. There's too many for me to remember. But it's pretty cool. Let's start off with Metroid 1, Metroid Prime 1. Okay. All, I will give you a little recap of the story. So basically, Metroid Prime is set in between Metroid 1 and Metroid 2. Um, it takes place on a planet called Talon 4, which is the home of the Chozo. And the Chozo raised Samus. But that's not really uh, part of this game. No. Anyway. However, a meteor hit Talon 4 50 years ago, and all of the Chozo have basically either died or left because uh, this meteor hit, corrupting the planet with Phazon. And Phazon is starting to like mutate, and it's just like cancerous for this planet. And really, all they could do was build a temple over the top of the impact crater to try to seal it off and hope someone would come save the day in the future. And it also, this meteor brought a creature that we find out in the lore that the Chozo called the Worm, which we later realize is Metroid Prime. Mm -hmm. Metroid Prime came on this crater, wrecked the planet, and... Then at the same time, we have this race of space pirates that are obsessed with, you know, Metroid technology and experimenting on them. They discover this planet and are experimenting with all the dang Phazon. And that's that's where we come in, really. So we're, yeah. we're here to basically clear the place out, get the keys to open up the temple into the impact crater so we can kill Metroid Prime. 
And in between that, our gameplay is first person, which is a first for Metroid, which mm-hmm. has always been a side-scroller, so drastically different. And I guess, AJ, what were just your initial impressions of this game, either from like seeing a trailer about it or playing it? What were your thoughts? I can't recall seeing trailers for it, but I do know when I had the game, it was one of those that I, I only wanted to play it at night. We had a pretty big TV, and it was just so immersive. Again, like you were saying, with it being the first-person gameplay, yeah, but still keeping those platforming elements from Metroid, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the graphics, that was the thing... They're still so good. I know. I mean, Retro Studios were pushing the GameCube to its limits with that game. And it, you know, hearing the story like that, it makes you wish they put in some cutscenes. Yeah. So as I wrote this down today from Wikipedia, it's like, this was not clear in the game at all. No, it's not. You have to scan every last little thing yeah um otherwise you don't get the story but yeah. no like that game wasn't terribly difficult at the time from what i can recall but it was very immersive and you just the the worlds weren't all the same i True. mean you had um i'd say it's very video gamey for the time where you know, the 2000s, every game has like, here's your fire world, here's your ice world, here's <laughs> yeah. your jungle world. And here's your home planet, and or yeah. like where the ship just rests. Right. Yeah. that I liked um, the ice level. Fendrana Drifts? Yeah, the Fendrana Drifts. Yeah. Me too. Those had like these crazy creatures that, and again, like it's kind of violent you know kind of graphic like the ones that had an ice shell Mm -hmm. and you would break their shell and you would see like (laughs) the inner like their guts and stuff yeah like but i love the music of fenjana drifts in particular Mm -hmm. i thought it was very chill it's very spacey and (laughs) it's wonderful and speaking of the music that whole game the music is wonderful like it's got it's all its iconic Metroid songs, but then it's got some new ones. And I remember friend from high school, Matt Lawler, he just one day like came to school, he's like, Hey, I found this Metroid metal online and I burnt it for you. It's like oh, Whoa. Yeah, like that's so nice. And I listened to it for so long. And it's just all these like heavy metal remixes of Metroid songs, and there's some cool stuff. I have to check that out. I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, it's good. If you listen closely, you can hear it right now. Nope. <laughs> AJ, I just, me. I just edited it into the episode. Come on. <laughs> Again, too casual. Anyway. <laughs> I don't remember where we were going. So, Just reactions from the game initially. Oh, yeah. So I'd say my 
first impressions of this were, here we go, GameCube has an answer to Halo. Oh. Because Halo was everything, right? Yeah. It was the best first-person shooter ever, best multiplayer, and I always felt jealous because, like, I'm a Nintendo fanboy. I got my GameCube. That's all I can afford. I'm not going to branch out and try to buy an Xbox. And I was always so desperate for a Halo killer on GameCube. And seeing this, I was like, oh, Samus, she looks cool. Cool armor, kind of like Master Chief. It's a first-person shooter. These games are nothing alike. Not in the slightest. At no. all. No. And I even had the same thought when 2 came out. And I was like, oh, Prime 2 has multiplayer. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. We're going to compete with Halo with this Metroid Prime <laughs> multiplayer. Uh, wrong about that. Yeah, very wrong. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my thought when I saw that gameplay. It's just like, yes, we finally can fight back. And uh, we didn't, at least in that regard, mm-hmm. to Halo. But it's still, it's still incredible. Yeah. I don't know when I actually beat this game i remember i played it for a very long time and then got stuck and just kind of gave up on it oh and i gave up on it so long my friend cal across the street he said can well can i borrow it can i play it said sure and he played through the whole thing but was stuck on prime the final boss for weeks and he was so frustrated with how hard that boss was and I watched him fight Metroid Prime over and over and over again to where I knew that fight pretty darn well. Uh-huh. And I was kind of getting to the point where I was watching them and I was like, how do you keep dying there? Like, <laughs> we, like we, he wanted to take the controller. Kind of, but I mean, <laughs> it was his playthrough. I'd never done it before. Yeah. But it's like these mechanics, they're, they're pretty scripted. Like they make sense. And yeah. I remember one time I was giving him crap for that. Uh, like a few months later, and he's just like, oh, oh, you think it's so great? Uh, you think you can do this? Here, load it up. And I smoked Metroid Prime on my first try. <laughs> like, first time ever beating, playing that fight. He's like, oh, well, that's that's because you watched me do it all those times. I'm right. like, well, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. You're right. But that's funny, man. It's just crazy how long it took him to do it. But anyway, um, let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll get right back into it. We're back, and before we move on to the second game, what are your favorite, like, standout moments from the first? From the first Metroid Prime? Yeah. Um, I kind of touched on it earlier with the the Fendrana Drifts. Like, just the creatures. Like, when you see a new creature for the first time. Yeah. That was, also, that was always cool, like, on that initial playthrough, because you had no idea what to expect really with anything in that game Mm -hmm. and like other metroid games you're traveling through an area and you find something that you can't get to yet yeah that's what i enjoyed about that game a lot because you thought you would take a mental note oh well i can't open this door yet i still have to get this specific item before i can come back yeah that's a good point of what we kind of forgot to talk about like that's what a metroid game is is this giant open world of dead ends that you have to come back to yeah once you have new power-ups and it's so satisfying once like you've seen this door this whole time you couldn't open and then you finally get to come back it's like yes i have 
the means to get in here. What's been in here? It's been here this whole time, and now I can finally go in. Yeah. And it's satisfying. Yeah, it's like, it's snowball type of gameplay. You, yeah. You, I believe in the very beginning of the game, you have most of your stuff. No. Or is that not true? So that's, that is one of my biggest beefs with this game. Is So you start off with your various suit in uh, the space frigate that has been... So to backtrack a little bit, the game starts with you tending to a distress signal, and it's a space pirate ship called the Orpheon, and basically all the space pirates have been killed by their own experiments inside. Yeah. And as you escape, you encounter Meta Ridley, and an explosion basically makes you lose all of your current powers. And so you have to go back painstakingly and, like, learn your powers again. And I always hate that. I hate having, like, stuff taken away. Yeah. Because I do it again in Prime 2. You start off with a few things that you don't lose, but then you have to go get those upgrades again. And I get it, because that's how every single Metroid game is. Yeah. Is you're getting the same upgrades throughout. But having to reacquire all those upgrades stunk. But, like, again, as part of the satisfaction of getting incremental upgrades throughout that game. Yeah. And not just, like, a power-ups, but energy tanks and missile upgrades. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. So, anyway, so what, what else was a standout? Is that, yeah, that's the first Metroid uh, Prime, the boss that's like a bunch of rocks? Yeah, that would be Thardis. Yeah, that was a, I don't know, I just remember that boss fight. You're in like in a big arena. Yeah. And then after you beat him, you can do the morph ball thing and... Spider ball. Spider ball, yeah. yeah. Spider ball and room around. I think that that was really cool. I mean, I don't know. I can understand the criticism where it's like you're just running through doors or it's just like platforming, but the way that the camera angles move you around, you have this kind of sense of scale like when you're in that little morph ball. Yeah. And going up these massive structures. Yeah. It's just that's what makes it so unique as a platformer. Yeah, and there's fun puzzles. Like, I love the spider ball. Yeah. For me, standout moments, uh, there's a, a few good ones. I think the one that stands out the most is it's like near the end of Finjana Drifts, where you encounter the Orpheon that you crashed, but now it's like, you know, it's crash landed on the planet. Right. It's half underwater, but it's also just spooky. Yeah. And you have to fight space pirates in the dark and, like, use your new thermal visor to be able to see them. And... Yeah, that whole... Yeah, I kind of forgot about that portion. The stuff that's underwater, because most of the time, like, with any game that I play, if the game is saying, go down this path, I look for the other path. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like well, I can get to this place now. Maybe it's not where I'm supposed to go, but maybe I can find something that'll help anyway. Right. And even, you know, I've played that game a lot and would still sometimes mistakenly go to the underwater place before you're supposed to. Oh, really? And it just wastes so much time. (laughs) Because you can't... Because you don't have the gravity suit. Yeah. Like, you're very, very slow in the water. Or even, like, before you get the 
the space boots, the double jump. Yeah. And you're just kind of stuck. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a that's a good spot in the game too. Uh, I'd say another the big standout moment is shortly after that part, you make your way into like these the Phazon mines that the space pirates have been mining and mutating, and like there's these Phazon enhanced uh, space pirates where you have to use like special beams just to fight them. I can hear their warrior theme. Oh, absolutely. That music. <laughs> That's really intense. It is. Um, and they're color-coded. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to... Like, once you have the ice beam and the... The plasma beam. Plasma beam. And the wave beam. Yep. And they're all different color-coded. But those those dudes are tough. They, they, they hit. Mm-hmm. They hit you pretty hard. And then it, it all climaxes with fighting the Omega Space Pirate, which is a long fight. And at the same time you're fighting him, he's got ads coming of other Space Pirates that you have to fight off. But when you finally pull it off, he collapses on top of you and you emerge in the Phazon suit. Oh, yeah. Phazon suit is beautiful. Yeah. It's like the various suit, but it's mostly black and silver with like red accents on it. And That's probably my favorite morph ball variant yes when you're in the phase yeah when you're in the phase on suit and it's just all red in the middle and got the black and red wheel look yeah it almost looks like something out of need for speed underground too (laughs) (laughs) tricked out wheel yeah (laughs) so yeah i think those are my big standout moments although right before you fight metroid prime you have to fight metal ridley yeah that's a good boss fight i had never seen that fight so I like I'd seen Metroid Prime a million times watching Cal die, but I'd never seen Ridley. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the first time I did that fight, I I never died, but I finished with like 20 health left. Like I had no idea what the mechanics yeah. were, and that was a hard fight. But that's the other thing about that game. Okay, so another uh, I'll add another standout thing just like because it is so different from other Metroid games, the first person view and when you have a little bit of health left, I mean, the visor, your your heads-up display yeah. that you see, it's pretty involved, especially yeah. for a 2002 GameCube game. Like, you run through the forest, and the mist is on the mask. Yeah. And if you're taking critical damage, it's like it's flashing red, and it gives you this sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah, it, yeah. So I, I can, I understand what you're saying. When you get to that boss fight and you're just about dead, and you're just like you hold the <laughs> controller really tight, and you're ah, <laughs> absolutely. All right. So right after Meta Ridley, we go into Metroid Prime. Right. Which Metroid Prime is a very ominous boss. It's basically like this giant spider-ish crab, but also with like a humanoid-ish. Face, like behind uh, its its armor. Yeah, it reminds me of the Andros boss fight from Star Fox sixty four a little bit. Oh, really? Like a giant, like the head part of it. Anyway. Oh, okay. At least that because that's a a tiered boss fight. Yeah, it's right? a two part fight. Yeah. So after you beat the first half, Metro Prime kind of like collapses through this wall. And then more of the like spiritual Metroidy looking floating head with tentacles like comes out of the armor and you fight that. Yeah. And that's a really fun fight because you have to transition between your different visors to be able to see them. 
because he keeps going invisible. But anyway, you get through that fight, and as it is collapsing in on itself, it like hooks onto you and is trying to pull you in mm. and ends up pulling your Phazon suit off. And so you escape back in your gravity suit and you watch the destruction of the temple. And if you have got a high enough scan percentage, there's this little extra scene where it shows like this phase on pool that I get, I guess it's Metroid prime, like kind of pulsating and you see this hand of your phase on suit come out and it has this little eye on its, on the back of its palm. And that is the creation of dark Samus, which right. is the villain of the next two games. And I did not realize until researching today that Dark Samus is Metroid Prime. Oh. Did you know that? No. Yeah. And it's... I only played Metroid Prime 3 once. Same. That I don't... I hardly remember that one. But, yeah, you fight her or him multiple times throughout both of the next games. And I always just thought it was like this Phazon corruption of your Phazon suit. Yeah. Or something. But I did not realize it is... It is Metroid it's Prime. Metroid Prime who's like restructured himself into your suit. And it's just like, ah! Yeah. This, ga- this game has such cool lore that is just not clear. Yeah. At they, all. And again, like, Retro Studios had the means to make these elaborate cutscenes. I don't, I don't know, like, placing them, though, in a game that's not necessarily completed in one way. True. Especially in Metroid Prime One, like some of those keys, when you have to find the was it the twelve keys, yeah. you can find those in any order, right? So, I don't know, like because like a lot of games, a, a cutscene will trigger once you've progressed to a certain point. Yeah, but yeah, the it's pretty unclear. You have <laughs> to you, you really have to dig, um, scan everything. But anyway, that's Metroid Prime 1. Um, we've actually spent a lot of our time already, so let's talk briefly about Metroid Prime 2. Okay. So personally, I've only ever played it once. Okay. I have vague memories of it, and uh, as you see here, I have the guidebook. That is cool. The official guide from Nintendo Power. That's right. <laughs> Evil is the disease. You are the cure. <laughs> that is true. Anyway, so it's called Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, and when it was announced, I thought it was called Ecos. I've never <laughs> seen the word Echoes spelled out before. I remember but, talking to Cal, and uh, Ecos, and I said, "Hey, I'm really excited for Metroid Prime Ecos." It's like, are you talking about Echoes? You said it with such confidence too. <laughs> but anyway, super hyped for this game. It's very similar. They made a few improvements in that you don't spend as much time recapping all the same power-ups that you lost. So you got to keep quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. They sped up scanning. Scanning uh, is, a, is a shorter loading bar, and they made it much, much more clear what you have and have not scanned yet. So uh, it's big blue if you haven't scanned it red if you or maybe and, it's the opposite yeah remember. that just that helps the ocd gamer a lot yeah because i mean if you're have to scan every last thing because this game 
franchise, the Metroid Prime one anyway, it just um, caters to that. Mm-hmm. Like, finding every last little thing. Have you looked in every nook and cranny of right. this room or this level? I remember playing Metroid Prime 2 when it came out, and before doing this episode with you, I restarted it. That was maybe like November or December, played okay. it for a bit. I remember liking Metroid Prime 1 more. Yeah. So, with this game, it's not a new idea to have the light world and the dark world type of thing. Yeah, I mean, so that's from Link to the Past. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, it is pretty cool, though. Again, the graphics are amazing. Even better than the first. Yeah, it's a little more smooth. But there's like, a, I don't know if you've ever seen Stargate. No, I haven't. Uh, but there's like, when you're traveling in between the light world and the dark world, it's like a giant arch Stargate, mm-hmm. and this big portal opens up, and it sucks you through, right? and you're in the dark world. But what's kind of, I don't know if lazy is the right word for it, but it just seems like they could have made the game bigger, but they just copy and pasted the map, and yeah. you run through the same area twice every time. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, this game, it was great. And I liked it at the time, but it was so tedious in that way, where it was constantly just like doubling back, not just backtracking through one world, but backtracking through the same world, but dark. Yeah, and, but it's the dark world. And it's so, the echo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the story behind that is, they, they weren't very creative. Uh, another meteor has hit this world. Oh, no. And it has basically somehow split the world into two. It created a new dimension, the dark world. We got the, I think they're called the Luminoths. The yeah, that's right. Giant um, moth humanoids in, inhabit the light. And then the Ing, which are kind of these spidery, black darkness creatures, inhabit the dark. And uh, as the lore goes, neither can quite overtake the other. The Ing can't survive long in the light. Luminoth vice versa, but they're sharing the same life force of the planet, and, and unless one side wins, they're both going to lose. Yeah. Because the planet is, like, depleting, so obviously Samus is there to try to save the day. And the Dark World sucks. Yeah. Like, it's difficult. I will say, as far as the difficulty ramp from Prime 1 to Prime 2, Prime 2 is no joke. Yeah. You're in the dark world and your health bar is just depleting. <laughs> it and, is. And if you haven't taken the time and the initiative to dig around and find the energy tanks and things like that, it's a struggle. Yeah. To get through it. So I, that's what AJ was just saying. When you're in the dark world, there are these little orbs kind of like floating around and you shoot one and it expands into a giant bubble. You walk into that bubble to do you heal while you're in. You it? do, but it's temporary. Yeah, and then you got to shoot it again, and it's super annoying because <laughs> it, anytime you're outside that bubble, you're slowly losing health. And when you have the various suit at the beginning, you are losing health fast. Yeah. Then you upgrade, get the dark suit. It significantly slows it down. But you still are taking damage. Yeah. Like, it, it's they, <laughs> and it's not until you finally get the light suit. Which is one of the coolest suits ever made. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. A quick sidebar, like great love, design. The dark suit and the light suit. I love how they are unique. 
while in Metroid Prime, the gravity suit and the phase on suit were just reskins, like recolored. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool to get those different suits, but it just sucked that you don't get immunity to the dark until like the last four hours of the game. Yeah, it takes, it's a commitment. And that I think that's probably why I didn't replay that game nearly mm-hmm. as much. But you do get some, that that game you can get the, the screw attack and yeah. you're just, just like jumping through levels and it damages enemies mm-hmm. pretty significantly. Yeah, I think that's definitely a cool difference in this game and that it had, it added to those power-ups because really like in prime one you really only just got your same power-ups back like there wasn't yeah too much new and so this added in new stuff and like callbacks to the original metroid games like with the screw attack and man it's long especially having to just go back and forth between light and dark and light and dark i looked it up and the average time to beat this game is 25 hours wow and so i mean yeah you get more content but it's so much of the same. And especially... Okay, so one thing I would say as a negative on that versus Metroid Prime 1, the distinction between the different levels and worlds. Mm-hmm. In Metroid Prime 2, everything in the dark world is just a saturated, purpley, globby <laughs> mess. Right. <laughs> like, it's... The enemies, you know... I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like you're in the upside down. Yeah. You know, it's got... The, uh, what's the... I can't remember the name of the boss now. Um, the Boost Guardian. Right. The Boost Guardian. That's like, you, you've before the Boost Guardian, you see some of these spidery looking, like, but their their feet are really sharp and pointy. And right. They, they have like a humanoid face shape, but it's not any features. It's just like little blobs of purple and yellow light. Right. And they, you know, they're they're pretty creepy looking. But in that boss fight. It's hard. I, I would, like I said, when I played this a few months back, I died again and again. And just is like, man, I, I'm losing my gamer chops a little bit. This is tough. It's so many of those Ing boss fights are so hard. Yeah. I actually, while I was researching today, I saw an, a, an article headline that one of the developers of this game has not yet beat this game. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's crazy. And, uh, so the stand-up fight for me is Quadraxis, which is like the Act 3-ish boss, I feel like, if it's a four-act game, let's say. Um, and he's just this giant metal, huge robot, and I was fought, I was stuck on that forever. And I even have the guidebook. Like, I know how to yeah. do that fight. <laughs> and I just could not do it. I'm trying to find a picture of Quadraxis because I can't remember exactly what that one looks like. All right, so while you look that up, um, another thing I did not enjoy about this game is it had ammo for the beams. Oh, yeah. The only gun, your your main power beam, didn't have ammo. But then you had a dark beam, a light beam, and then the annihilator beam, which was a combination of both. Yeah. Burned ammo. And again, man, the difficulty ramp. That really, the game just ammo for a GameCube game that was a Nintendo. It seems so unlike a Nintendo thing to do. Make it be that difficult. Maybe, yeah. But that was another part of it that you just when you're playing that game, especially when you're in the dark world, 
Mm-hmm. You're taking damage constantly. And it's not easy to get ammo back either. Right. There would be, well, in the first game, there would be like these sacks, like these gel sacks hanging on the walls. Right. And you could blast those and maybe get missiles. Mm-hmm. And in Metroid Prime 2, in the Dark World, it, it looks like this black seaweed stuff. Oh. And if you shoot it with a light beam, you have a chance to get dark ammo. If you shoot it with dark ammo, you have a chance to get light ammo. Oh. So, but again, it's like, it's not definite. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're wasting the precious little ammo that you have left to try and refill your stuff, and you can't. Yeah. Anyway, like, I, in the moment, like, at the time, I loved this game, and I still think it's a good game. Yeah. It was just, I never wanted to play it again. Yeah. It's just funny, like, I think this was like the peak of games being hard for me, and and maybe for everyone. I just think that after, like, around this time, so this game came out November 15th of 2004, mm-hmm. I feel like after that, games just, in, instead of being hard, they just added harder difficulties. Yeah. And I've never felt frustration again like I felt that. Unless I was, like, playing Halo on Legendary on purpose, yeah. you know? It's just interesting how you know, it's evolved. That is interesting, yeah, because um, it's also in that era of gaming where you got the disc and everything is on it. True. There, there's no DLC. There's no reason. There, I mean, there was no online capability. Mm-hmm. They did have multiplayer. Oh, it was great multiplayer. <laughs> yeah, they had groundbreaking multiplayer uh-huh. on Metroid Prime 2. Um, I believe you could connect the GameCubes with... There was no online. The, you could land GameCubes. I don't know if Metro Prime 2 supported it. I think the only game that did was Mario Kart Double Dash. What about that uh, Fantasy Star Online? Did that do... I don't know if it did land. I know it did online. Yeah. But but yeah, that's a little bit of a side tangent. But um, yeah, the multiplayer on Metroid Prime 2 was like a cookie cutter copy of any other N64 like you got the split screen deathmatch yeah like pretty straightforward just like you know I mean they had that in everything yeah 007 Donkey Kong 64 now that was good multiplayer that was fun I like that but still it's like okay we're gonna drop you in a map and okay deathmatch yeah I feel a lot of games have just like tacked on multiplayer just because yeah but anyway, um, any final thoughts on Prime 2? On Prime 2, my hot take on it is that Metroid Prime 1 was definitely better. Metroid Prime 2 did have cool things in it, though. Like, it introduced more of the NPCs and actually interacting with other characters. That's true. Because in Metroid Prime 1, you are just on your own. Yeah. Um, but in Metroid Prime 2, you are communicating with the Luminoth. You're trying to save them. You have more of like a sense of what your character Samus is actually supposed to be doing. That's a good point. And you'll see that. I do remember that in Metroid Prime 3, it's full-blown NPCs. That, Voice acted. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more to it. So, it's kind of... It has that middle game or middle entry into a trilogy curse yeah it's it's just in the middle yeah 
you know, it, it, there were some things that were cool, but I think as time goes on, it's more of a forgotten one. Yeah, I'm very curious because I feel like as long as the Switch has been out, there's been rumors that oh yeah the, the Prime trilogy is going to come out. And but they did it on the Wii, right? But I, like, I would love to play it in handheld. I'm just saying, if if it ever happens, I will play through Echoes again. Yeah, and hopefully it's amazing. <laughs> Who knows? Amazingly frustrating. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Anyway, so before we go, Jake, er, Jake, are you out there <laughs> still? Not AJ and I, uh, we're doing a top five. See if we can beat uh, mine and then Jake's record. So if you don't know the rule, the rules of a top five, we've come up with a category. We've then written down our top five in that category. Anything we share in common on that list, we get one point. Anything that is in the exact same order, we get three points. Now, AJ, our record is five. Okay. I think we set this back in our, our top five DS games. So, can we beat five? We'll try. All right, our category this week is our top five upgrades that you can get in Metroid Prime 1 or 2. So that includes anything that you probably got after a boss. So maybe you got the missile launcher, maybe you got a suit, maybe you got a beam. Let's see what we got. All right. So, AJ, kick it off. What was your number five? My number five upgrade was the screw attack. Screw attack is on my list. One point. All right. All right. Tell us about screw attack. No, the screw attack, um, it's one of those late game upgrades. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of places when you're running through and it's like, I can't make that jump or mm -hmm. I can't get that high up. Like this, you know, the with the screw attack, it makes you get there, and if you land on enemies as you do it, they explode. Nice, and it's pretty cool <laughs> to see. Yeah, I always like the screw attack for one because it was a move from previous side-scrolling Metroid games. That's like, can this exist in the 3D Metroid? Yeah. And they and pulled it, it off really well. And it was just a really cool way, especially at the end, to like blow through some areas instead of yeah. having to slowly make your way back through the backtracking. Yeah, it helped you with the backtracking when you're trying to find the keys. Yeah, for sure. All right, my number five is the spider ball. Ooh, okay. The spider ball is not on my list. Darn it! So, uh, I just, I like the spider ball a lot because it was one of those first moves that you learned that is new. Up until then, you're just, like, regaining powers. But then you get the spider ball, and then there's just so much new traversal and puzzle solving you can do because of it. So, yeah, I love it. That's a good one. My number four is the ice beam. Oh, really? Yeah. So why is that? So the ice beam, it's also funny, like, if you're playing Metroid Prime, it is a first-person shooter. You never see your character. Yeah. When you do the screw attack, it kind of zooms out and you see a third-person yeah. view. But through the pause menu, you can see your inventory. You can see your weapons and upgrades that you have. And it shows you like the oh, yeah. character model right. of Samus, depending on what you have equipped. Mm -hmm. And when you have the ice beam equipped... It's very comical because of how large it is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, when you have the ice beam equipped and press the pause menu, I mean... It's kind of like the, the normal power beam is kind of like a Mega Man-esque sure. cannon arm. 
and it's normal. But the ice beam is just like so bulky. Huh. Um, but what's cool about it is, and with the other beam weapons, again, like the attention to detail and the graphics, when you charge it up, mm-hmm. this giant ice ball oh, yeah, comes out at the end of it. And there are certain enemies, like the weaker ones, you shoot them and they freeze, and then you can missile them once and they explode. And they shatter. Yeah. 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 So, like, yeah, the ice ball, it charges, but then, like, your whole arm cannon, like, frosts over. Yeah. Man, these graphics are good. I know, man. 2002. That's crazy. All right. So, I actually don't have any beams on my list. Oh. Hopefully, doesn't conflict too much with your list. But no. Um, there are some awesome ones, and I really thought about it. But my number four is getting the X-ray visor. Oh, I don't, don't have that on my list. So the X-ray visor, I chose that for one. I just like the look of when you have it equipped. Yeah. Just how it makes the world very interesting. But also the area where you get it. I don't remember it very well, but isn't it like a bunch of... So the X-ray visor, when you get it, the enemies that are popping up beforehand, you mm-hmm. can't see them. Right. And it's like the like Chozo ghosts or something like that. Oh, you wreck the ghosts once you get that. Yeah, once you get that power up, they can't escape from you. And but don't you get it in this room? It's like this big, like misty, circular room, and it's kind of like Stonehenge-y? Or is that? Or am I thinking of? No, no. I I think you're right, and it is. It's like a sanctuary for them. Yeah. And that's a like a big battle once right. you get it. And because it's, you know, it's like the ghosts is like kind of floating there. And then they do like an instant transmission thing. Like a Dragon Ball reference there. But like they <laughs> disappear and then they're over there. Yeah, exactly. And they, uh, but yeah, once you have the x-ray visor, you're able to see where they are. But that is a cool platforming area mm-hmm. in that game. I think the area itself stands out. A lot to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose it. All right. What's your number three? My number three is the grappling hook. Shoot. We're not going to beat our record. <laughs> we're, uh, we are on. Uh, yeah, we're on different wavelengths. Unless our one, one and two are exactly the same. Yeah. Um, the grappling hook, again, you see these things, and if you scan them, that's the other cool thing about it. Like, when you're playing the game, You'll see things, and because you aren't able to interact with them, you don't get the information on it. Oh. So you would see those. It's like a black hook with a yellow dot, and that's what you can attach the grappling hook. Is it grappling hook or grapple beam? Probably beam. Maybe. I can't remember. But um, (laughs) once you have acquired the grappling hook, then you can scan it, and it logs it into your book as an official entry. Right. But I just liked that it's, I don't know, it's just this chain of light, and then it shoots out, and you're able to swing yeah. over big ca- big canyons. Yeah, especially for a first-person game. It's interesting. Yeah. And But again, that's one that uh, you have it right at the beginning when you're like chasing down Ridley off the ship, and then it's a long time before Yeah, that's back. one of the last ones you get. Yeah. And you mostly just have it for the exploration of getting the 12 keys. Yeah. But anyway. What's um, your number three? My number three is the screw attack. So there is our one point. Okay. Uh, my number two is getting the Phazon suit. Ooh. So uh, the Phazon suit, I said this earlier, I just think is so cool. 
It looks awesome, even though it's just a recoloring of the same skin. Yeah, but that's... And you also have, like, a slight aura that comes off. Yeah. It um, it makes you not take damage from the Phazon Mines. Right. So that opens it up to you being able to go through and get the keys that are hidden, because there's certain parts where... You try to it's roll just through that, as a morph ball, and it's nothing but phase on. And you die if you go in there. So, right. I think really it's just how cool it looks. <laughs> I love yeah. the phase on suit. Uh, spo- that might be a spoiler for my number one. But what's your number two? My number two. I don't. I doubt you have this one on there. But it was a a power up that was an optional power up. Oh yeah. In Metroid Prime One, like it's not significant to the story. But when you're in this area. You have the the color coded warriors, and you have to keep switching your beam. Mm-hmm. If you progress through a certain area, you can get a flamethrower. What? Yeah, I did not know that. So that weapon is very unconventional for the gameplay. It drains your missiles. Oh, you have the plasma beam, the one that shoots fire. Yes, you have the plasma beam equipped, and you charge it. And then, if you hit the missile button, it, like, flamethrowers. Okay. Maybe I do know what you're talking about. So that, I just thought, was a very unique power-up. So that's why it's so high on my list. But it's not helpful (laughs) (laughs) at all. Especially to drain your missiles that fast. Yeah, because the super missile is much more effective. Huh. Just And, and again, that was kind of just, like... The animation of it looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I actually do remember what you're talking about now, so maybe I did have that. So speaking of super missiles, I did forget about like the super morph ball bombs, which are pretty darn cool. Yeah, those are cool too. They're like mini nukes. Yeah, but, but that's that goes back to every other Metroid game pretty much. All right, so I'll wrap it up. My number one, it's the light suit. That's my number one yeah. as well. All I right. knew it. I knew it. That's... Go ahead. What do you What do you think about the light suit? Again, aesthetically, just so cool. Yeah, so cool, and then hugely beneficial. It's just so disappointing that you have it for so short in Metroid Prime Two. But I don't. I don't really know what else to say about it other than just how it just looks awesome, it man. It is. Yeah, and even just this little side profile of it. Mm-hmm. You've got the white visor big shoulder pads it kind of it's i don't don't know man it's like very mech like mech anime inspired Mm. like kind of gundam-esque um but it's just the i yeah that's like my favorite design from any of the metroid prime stuff yeah and as i think about it's also i don't know if it was intentional but i think it's like the most feminine as well like that is true it's definitely more like sleek and form fitting to Samus. Light suit Samus has some hips. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, it just looks so cool. But there we go. There's right. our top five. Four points, not bad. That's not too bad not for bad. a first try. Yeah. So uh, that's it. Jake, thank you for your blessing for us to do this without you. Uh, we do miss you. I hope you had a good week. AJ, thank you so much for being here. Man, this was a lot of fun, honestly. I had a little bit of the nerves going into it, but it's really cool. And again, thank you, Jake, for letting me sit in your seat just for this one time. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you all for listening. 
Uh, my name's Cameron. And my name's AJ. Have an awesome nerdy week. Yeah. <laughs>